0: welcome on this will not be a 15 and 60 oh no this will be 22 in 66 we're going to talk about each (coughs) of the bubble teams was uh, sorry i I heard i heard a clearing of the throat there for a moment
1: i i I don't know where i'm going to set the over under but it's not 66
0: Yeah, well, we're gonna try. I'm gonna be setting the timer. i try try to give us uh, some discipline here. Uh, you know, we'll talk about some of these teams uh, bouncing around a little bit for these teams that have played each other. We'll talk about some of the recent games over the weekend that we have to get to uh, as well. So, Danny, let us execute Order sixty-six. Appropriate to
1: then first? start with the uh, appropriate to then start with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, <laughs> the Pel. The Pels are 30 and 39 on the full season, 15th in net rating, 12th in offense, 19th in defense, and in Orlando alone, 2 and 4, 20th in net rating of 22 teams, 17th in offense, and 16th in defense.
0: Yeah, and unlike the Jedi. They don't have any chance at all of going on because they are eliminated from playoff contention. Incredibly disappointing performance for them in the bubble. And in retrospect, I really think that their fate was written when Zion Williamson left the bubble for personal reasons and was barely getting back in. They clearly struggled to reintegrate him. He was not as good as he was back in the January February time frame either uh, for whatever reason just didn't have a chance to get back in shape the whole plan that they had for him really went awry i'm sure with just he said basically he wasn't able to do any basketball conditioning at all when he was gone and so uh he really didn't have it himself until you know he had some flashes but he still wasn't that dominant force i mean he's still shooting around you know 50% maybe even a little under from the field even in his good games and the defense was atrocious zero blocks or steals in 104 minutes in the bubble the plus minus was really ugly as well and so there was an aspect of trying to reintegrate him have him be a key part of the team but he was not a positive player for them. And ultimately, I believe that sunk them, particularly when you consider how much, how difficult it was to find a rhythm with him always in and out of the lineup.
1: A couple of specific stats from their loss to San Antonio, which basically sealed New Orleans' fate. The team shot 22 of 47 in the restricted area in that game. And also, Didn't get to the line as much as San Antonio. It was 22 to 32 there. Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday, the starting backcourt for the Pelicans, shot 4 of 22 from the field and 0 for 9 from 3 in the loss.
0: Yeah, that was really rough. J.J. Redick, though, his... 13-year personal playoff streak will come to an end he did not go down without a fight however he took a couple of charges that tied his season high with 31 points he made eight three-pointers but he was really the only pal you would say who came to play ultimately it ended when Alvin Gentry went to Zion at center, and you got to hope to outscore teams in that alignment. They were unable to do so. Derek Favors, actually, at least from a plus minus standpoint, had one of his better games. He was actually positive, but when they went to Zion at center, they couldn't come back. DeMar DeRozan closed them out emphatically. They didn't have a plan to deal with him, they didn't have any help at the rim with Zion at center and they had trailed it by 17 at halftime as well. They came out flat, and it just the defense was absolutely terrible throughout the entire bubble, and they deserved to go home, frankly, with the way that they played.
1: I'll give the stats on the team they played on Sunday, the San Antonio Spurs, 31-37 and 37 for the season, 17th in net rating, 9th in offense, 24th in defense, and in Orlando, 4-2, 6th in net rating, fourth in offense and 14th in defense and a lot of really encouraging things from san antonio those of you who've watched the uh, the nba cast we've been doing a few of their games Keldon johnson in particular and Derek white's confident shooting though unfortunately he suffered a knee injury in the game and i haven't heard anything on his status
0: yeah it was a knee contusion for him but he was unable to return i mean he had been maybe their best player in orlando here uh demar DeRozan continues to cook 27 points 10 of 16 from the field uh, for him they had no answers for him whatsoever uh drew eubanks uh, has really impressed me uh, as well for this team uh and you know i think they might think of him as potentially a a backup center he he certainly should be in the mix next year he he does a nice job protecting the rim had two blocks and two steals in this game even has uh, some nice ability to take a couple of dribbles get into a hook shot a little bit uh, if needed had six offensive rebounds in this one as well so I, i really liked what we've seen from him. Um, Jakub Pertl continues to give them good play. I mean, Eubanks and Pertl combined for 11 offensive rebounds in this one. So, I mean, we never would have thought it that the Spurs, I mean, right now, They could be sitting pretty to get into at least the play-in game if they hadn't had that devastating loss against Philly where they gave up the game-winning three to shake Milton with that uh, overhelp from DeJounte Murray. Uh, But certainly the development is the bigger story here for San Antonio, uh, and uh, they have to be quite pleased with that so far.
1: Absolutely. And they still have a path in. It will require presumably beating both the Rockets and the Jazz, which could be possible. We don't know exactly. exactly who on those teams is going to play san antonio i think they'll kind of but derek white if he's potentially out for some of that that could be that could be a challenge so yeah i would say a very positive bubble for san antonio though it might not be lasting too much longer
0: yeah that'll be interesting i I mean it's really so funny right now because the teams that are fighting for the three through six actually feature pride quite prominently in the schedules of the teams fighting for the play-in, but the teams fighting for the play-in have all the incentive in the world to win. The teams fighting three through six, I think other than Oklahoma City, denver at three houston at four utah at six should all actually be pretty happy with where they are in terms of the matchup and and we'll see whether okc puts a a wrench in that uh we'll actually have their game against miami that could be an interesting game at eight eastern on wednesday also we're doing uh, on nba league pass Uh, 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern, Boston and Memphis. So we have big games here in the playoff chase in the West coming up. So very excited to potentially bring you that anything else on the spurs here before we move on uh no let's jump to the
1: phoenix suns the suns another team we've done a fair amount on the league Pass broadcast that game against the pacers was awesome 31 and 39 overall for the season 18th in net rating 17th in offense 18th in defense and in orlando only still 5-0 and uh third in net rating 10th in offense a strong fourth in defense
0: Well, and the crazy thing is the Suns still have to win out really to have much of a chance. Uh, They do have the advantage on San Antonio by virtue of having played two more games and split them. So they have a a slight percentage point chance against them. There are many who are saying, hey, like... See, the Suns should have been invited to the bubble. They're 5 and 0, but the fact that it's possible that they could go 8 and 0 and still not even make it into the play-in game. It, on the other hand, you could say when, you know, in theory, safety was supposed to be a factor if a team that won all its games still isn't going to make it into the playoff game, you know, then uh, you can argue well, that Especially that wasn't when
1: great. Memphis has only won once
0: yeah Um, now you know obviously hindsight is 2020 right i mean we were talking about we didn't know that this bubble concept was going to work i had pretty good confidence in it i thought it had some slight holes but those have been overcome i think to this point i think the danger of positive tests is extremely low going forward at least until players families enter the bubble and that won't be until after the first round so i'm uh optimistic on that score but let's talk a little bit about what has changed here for the suns and to me looking at why they were effective and why they weren't early in the season ricky rubio was one of the few sons was like a really positive net rating. I think he had the highest net rating of any of the highest uh, high-minute players on the team. And then they got completely destroyed. They're cycling through Ty Jerome and Javon Carter as a backup one. Now he's playing more as a backup two. And Eliakobo, they just couldn't find it on those backup units. And Campaign has totally stabilized that for them. And now that they're not getting killed whenever Rubio is off the floor, they look so much better.
1: Yeah, it's made a huge difference in their offense. Also, defensively, I think they've just looked better. Aiton has done well. And then Mikhail Bridges. I mean... in every game TJ Warren plays that Mikael Bridges does not guard him makes you think more of Mikhail Bridges defense because of how well he did in that that battle of the unbeatens earlier in the week and going back to campaign, a, a really important and nice thing that James Jones did there was that when they brought in Cameron Payne they gave they they structured the deal with a team option at, the, at his minimum for next year so Payne doing so well means that Phoenix can't overreact and overpay Payne they already have him under contract as long as they just pick up the option
0: yeah and they clearly with the way he's played they will do that what's been driving their good defense so far fourth overall in the bubble a lot of it's shooting luck a third in e-field goal percentage against teams are shooting very poorly against them from three they're also keeping teams off the offensive glass at an elite rate allowing only 17.6 percent offensive rebounds so what is their remaining schedule here before we move on
1: they play Oklahoma City on Monday. Then they play Philly and Dallas, and we're just gonna have to see how those how those opponents approach everything.
0: Yeah, OKC did win against Washington today. Both of their centers sat out. Mike Muscala did return from concussion symptoms to, to play, but. That'll be interesting. I want to see how hard OKC is going to go in that one.
1: Well, and, let's you know, go Let's go the, straight there. Let's just go to the Thunder. Yeah, they're, oh, great they're 43 and 26 on the full season, 13th in net rating, 13th in offense, 8th in defense. And then in the bubble, the Thunder are 3 and 2 with the number 7 net rating, the number 16 offense, and the number 3 defense.
0: Yeah, and important to remember as we talk about some of these stats, some of these teams have had just huge blowouts. Like the thunder completely blew out the jazz. For example and that's skewing everything right like brooklyn got blown out by orlando for example so that those that totally changes those teams numbers and a, a quick note before we get into the numbers uh, for okc even over this stretch which is between five and six games for all these teams you know boston has the number one net rating at plus 9.9 they also ha- had a big blowout uh washington is the worst net rating at negative 11.4 and you know washington is probably the one team that really you know is not played at nba level sacramento they they start every first few games it seems like Remember they went zero and five with just an atrocious point differential to start the actual regular season they are one in five uh negative 11 net rating but usually over just this small of a sample size you'd expect to see like much larger swings in net rating just over a five game sample but i think part of why you're not is because you've got those eight worst teams in the league not here yeah. and so all of this is more compressed and the quality of play has been better we've seen more close games it's actually been really fun
1: And something that we're going to have to keep an eye on for the Thunder, especially as they battle for seeding with Utah and Houston, is their availability of their players. Of course, that also matters for the playoffs. Steven Adams fell on his lower leg during the Lakers game, which was Wednesday. Then he sat Friday in their loss to Memphis and Sunday in their win over the Wizards. His health in the playoffs is obviously paramount, but we're going to need to keep an eye on that because he's such an important part of, of what they do. And because the lack of suitability, the lack of suitable replacements, at least, Nerwans Noel is a very different player than Steven Adams, and Nerwans Noel also wasn't available in the Wizards' win.
0: Yeah, and Dennis Schroeder was not there either. Haven't heard any news on when he will return he's still uh, was away for the birth of a child and well and presume- me, yeah go ahead.
1: sorry and let me go through like for the thunder like we, we've talked some about and we will continue to about the incentives of the teams in that middle of the west and with okc we just don't really know how they're going to handle this they play phoenix miami and the clippers the clippers will presumably will have things set by them we don't know that for sure um but they can you know just like all these teams they the thunder have a little bit of voice in the process and it seems tentatively like the Jackson- guys are trying to get the six i don't really know what okc is trying to do
0: yeah I mean, we will talk about utah a little bit more i mean they did play all of their guys in double overtime true against denver I mean, maybe there was a thought that they could get up to three in that scenario. But, I mean, I think the question to me is what is OKC's motivation? And and some of these injuries and not having Schroeder make me think that, hey, maybe they're going to try and just dial it back and they're OK going up uh, against Houston. Um, you know, that would be the team I would least want to face just in terms of quality. But they've also really struggled against denver because Jokic always uh, burned steven adams and so i don't know maybe they aren't quite as matchup concerned you would think that the jazz would be all about the sixth seed uh because then it would be very difficult for them to have to play that houston team that is uh, so bedeviled them the last two years and i'm rooting for a different series as well i don't want to see jazz houston again i think that's going to be uh deroguer at this point um but yeah let's get a little bit more uh, on oklahoma city we did their stats right
1: yeah i already did um
0: i mean it's it's going to be tough for them with noel and adams out and shooter you know i mean they may not i mean i think they should probably be underdogs in that game against phoenix particularly coming off the back-to-back uh and you know you might see a little bit of a rest there and they got to get everyone back healthy because they have five good players on this team basically and (laughs) and
1: and they're and they have to start strong because no matter who they're playing they're playing a capable they're playing capable opposition the thunder do not have enough latitude to have a slow start
0: let's get to portland here the team of the weekend they played both games the clippers rested Kawhi leonard they did not play paul george down the end portland had a six-point lead And then they went into the 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 dribble-the-air-out-of-the-ball-prevent offense, and the Clippers got back into it. Rodney Magruder, of all people, hit a huge three to put them up one. Damian Lillard drove on Magruder, drew the foul, misses two free throws. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic had fouled out, and then they had a chance to get a tough three to tie it by Lillard. He missed that. Zach Collins didn't foul. It was think it was Patrick Patterson who got the rebound, and the, the Clips closed it out uh, much to the glee of paul george and patrick beverly who then got into a social media spat with damian lillard after the the game and so i mean portland if they had won that one which honestly they should have they had some really rough respects in those last couple of minutes and only scored 42 points in the second half they got outscored by six by the clips reserves in the fourth they would be sitting pretty right now for the eighth seed if they had just won that one but they've also had some close wins uh, as well so the the cookie crumbles both ways in that um, uh, and, and it does the, uh, yeah it talk. does
1: but i mean at the same point i watched i watched a fair amount of their game today against philadelphia and i actually thought it was very disconcerting from portland's perspective sure lillard dropped 51 points but remember ben simmons was out joel embiid only played 6 minutes because he left with an ankle injury and yet the 76ers still pulled like a, i think it was a 117 offensive rating or portland's defense is it has its moments to be sure but they looked very porous in this one and yeah
0: may, maybe there's a, a player that y- you might point to that they could uh could improve a little bit uh, on the defensive end although that player had 20 points and was plus 14 in the game against the Sixers in 36 minutes so uh maybe I should be shouldn't be quite so hard on Carmelo at least uh, for this game
1: yeah and they've also partially because uh Hassan Whiteside has been out with a hip issue and we'll have to see what his timing is it looked like he was going to be huge in the matchup against the bead but then neither Whiteside nor functional only Embiid really played in this one. So they went to Wendy and Gabriel, who provided some energy, but not nearly as capable as some of the other options. And also, talk about burning the candle pretty hard for your Portland and they have plenty of incentive to Willard and McCollum on the second night of a back-to-back 40 and 39 minutes respectively
0: yeah after they went really hard I mean they have had no compunction about playing big minutes for Willard and McCollum they've had to I mean they it's been must win since the beginning but you wonder if they get to that first round series out of gas. I mean they're gonna have to play a back-to-back in the play-in as well potentially if they get there so they could be just totally wrecked at that point um,
1: well, and, and something to think about, Kevin Pelton wrote about this well at ESPN, is that Portland really, there is a really big incentive for them to push to get the eight. Because even if, and you and I would, if it's Portland-Memphis, would favor Portland pretty significantly in a neutral site game against Memphis. If they're the nine, they have to win twice. And so you could think about this as like, okay, let's say we gave it a 60-40 chance for Portland. I'm not saying those are the odds we would give it. The odds of a 60%, of a 60% team winning both games is actually only 36%. So they have it's such a huge structural advantage that the expectation is whoever gets the eight is advancing anyway. So Portland, they still play Dallas and Brooklyn. Brooklyn, who's been, we'll talk about them later, has been shockingly potent so far, though they'll now have their seed clinched. Like, there's a lot for them to play for, even though it looks like they're going to get into the playing game.
0: So- here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use our word CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So, got to talk about Lillard's 51-point game. I mean, he had that ridiculous game against Denver. And you'll recall, I, I thought that he just looked so in control in that game, whatever Denver threw at them. And this game was another example of that, right? So, Embiid goes out early. And so Damian Lillard says, "Well, where can I attack? Well, Al Horford has struggled to protect the rim this year. I'm going to go right to him. He's nine to ten at the rim, 15 of 16 from the foul line. Also had had seven assists. Now he was clearly gassed by the end of this. He had a couple of just atrocious turnovers because he was getting pressured up, and he just had to just didn't have the juice to like really go by guys and make a strong pass. And it threw a couple away when he was being double teamed. But he did enough. He had a huge four point play. Then he followed that up with another three and a layup so 9 points uh, in th- the space uh, of four possessions uh, that Brought Portland ahead after Philly actually went up six with about five minutes remaining, and I mean you could just tell that like every time he had to put the gas on, it was an incredible effort. But he did it, and it was just a a virtuoso performance from him. And with that 51 points uh, per Casey Holdall, he becomes the eighth player in NBA history with at least five 50-point games in a season. Pretty good company there, those other seven guys, huh?
1: Yeah, they're they're Wilt, Kobe, James Harden, Michael Jordan, Rick Barry, Kareem, and
0: baylor Oof. let's turn to philly now and obviously uh, oh actually did we give the no stats we didn't the give players? the stats i'll do that no, now so yeah.
1: portland 33 and 39 on the full season 19th in net rating fifth in offense 27th in defense and then in orlando they're four and two ninth in net rating first in offensive rating and 20th in defensive rating and yeah now let's jump to the their opponent on sunday the philadelphia 76ers i'll start with their stats so we don't forget them the sixers are 42 and 28 for the full season, ninth in net rating, 14th in offense, sixth in defense. And then in Orlando, the Sixers are three and two, 10th in net rating, sixth in offense, and 15th in defense.
0: Yeah, that 15th in defense is not going to cut it. And yet they've had some. Negative shooting luck there. But I mean, this is a team that was supposed to be a defensive team. Now, granted, Embiid did not play in this one. He sprained his ankle in somewhat of an odd way where he just pushed back behind him, ran into the basket stanchion. uh We, we haven't, we fortunately haven't seen any of these baseline injuries, but uh, the basket stanchion is still there and still maybe a little closer than it has to be. But they've kind of got a standard size for that. It's not like the Paul George incident where they're playing with like a stanchion that wasn't regulation size for the NBA. And is His ankle kind of went forward. He looked to be able to walk on it pretty well. They, of course, are going to be extremely cautious with him in these situations. I am hopeful that it's not going to be something that's going to keep him out significantly. But what is going to keep a player out significantly is the surgery that Ben Simmons is having. A loose body in the knee was the result of, of that kneecap subluxation. So it seems like maybe there's a bit of cartilage or bone that got chipped off and was causing him issues. And so initially the MRI was clean, but apparently he was still... feeling some pain they did a a little more look at it and found that in fact he needs surgery and so in all likelihood unless they make it deep into the playoffs his season is complete and What is the effect of that injury on Philly going forward here? Uh,
1: It's massive. I mean, Simmons is one of their best defenders and key to their transition identity. You could make a fair argument that having Simmons out will help their half-court offense, but I think that's a smaller positive than the negatives that losing him provides, especially considering the depth that you have to now have in your rotation. The good news for Philly is that they actually do have some of that now. Glenn Robinson III is back. They got some good minutes from Alec Burks. He had 20 points in 23 minutes in the loss against Portland so I, I think that they will be a different team and they will be a worse team but you could argue that there will be games when the shooting looks better and that they could you know they could put something together the challenge is it looks now like the most likely outcome is that Philly ends up as the six and so they have to be right you know the, the Celtics if without Simmons I mean they're heavy favorites in that and if Embiid isn't right then they're they're gonna cakewalk at least for a couple of games and then Philly won't be able to recover
0: yeah, we could talk a little bit about that that seating issue in the East in a second here. You could say that perhaps I think you can at least make the argument. We got asked about this uh on the League Pass broadcast today of whether they could possibly be better without him. And I think you could make the argument that they'll be better with their starters on the floor in half court offense uh, without Ben Simmons uh, because he still kind of doesn't really have a place to stand. He mucks up the spacing for Embiid. He's not going to shoot three pointers really. So uh, now when Embiid is out of the game, then he becomes a much more versatile threat. He can roll to the basket and obviously as a transition guy is pretty good although we had seen little of that so far we also had seen little of the defense that he brings he had really gotten lit up a couple times most notably by tj warren boston also going back to the playoffs two years ago always does a good job against him loading to him in transition although without al horford it's a little bit harder for them to do that this year uh, there is going to be more space for Embiid to work against Boston without Simmons out there, and that is the matchup that has killed Boston. But I think they just they don't have enough defensively without Simmons he's still a good player they don't have enough good players and you know but if they are going to do it Danny it's got to be the guy that they gave a near max contract to this offseason picking up the slack
1: yeah Tobias Harris is going to have a lot on his plate and in the game against Portland Tobias Harris had 19 shots scored 16 points in those 19 shots never got to the line had three assists and no turnovers he just has to take on a larger role because somebody's going to have to do it and you know I'm very interested in that Josh and hit a ton of shots in that game with six of 10 from three but the model of success is especially if mb is limited, is, is going to be really challenging for them and philly playing so their the remaining schedule is phoenix toronto houston i would guess that two of those three teams are still going to be trying and they don't have the tiebreaker against indiana by virtue of losing that game to indiana earlier in the bubble so they they have to they have to outperform the pacers the rest of the way and that is a big ask
0: yeah i mean so either they have to go 2 and 1 and the pacers have to go 0 oh and 3 right cuz they 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 are a game behind them right now
1: and the tie goes to the Pacers. That's right.
0: Yeah, or they would have to go three and three and zero, and the Pacers have to go one and two. Those are the only two ways that it could happen. What is the Pacers' remaining schedule? We can shift to them in, in a moment here. Sure. Their stats, but first, what's their remaining schedule?
1: Remaining schedule: They play Miami, Houston, and then Miami again, which actually gets into the this really interesting thing. I'm going to give the stats for for the Pacers before we get all the way into that. The Pacers are 43 and 27 on the full season, 12th in net rating, 15th in offense, seventh. In defense and then in Orlando 4-1 and one, only lost to the Suns 8th in net rating 12th in offense 8th in defense and so yeah it creates this crazy circumstance where it is entirely possible that nine of the Pacers next 10 games are against the Miami Heat
0: yeah if in fact uh, that series were uh, to go seven and the story of course remains tj warren 39 points against the lakers closed it out with aplomb warren now averaging 34.8 points in 38 minutes in the bubble getting up 23 shot attempts per game 61 percent from the field 56 percent from three and he really has just been scoring at all three levels off the bounce three pointers in particular have looked really good for him and the overall shot chart I said it's really all four levels for him. He's taken... 37 shots in the restricted area. Pretty good number for a five-game sample. He's 13 of 18 from floater range. He just has an unbelievable floater. 10 of 23 from mid-range, still very good, 44%. And then that scalding, 56% on 36 attempts from three. 29% usage, and they have a 122 offensive rating with him on on the floor and a 19.5 net rating i'm looking forward to this matchup against miami though maybe we can preview that a little bit since we know they're at least playing twice and probably also playing in the playoffs remember that jimmy butler tj warren feud uh butler has been out as we'll talk about um as we look to this now with no De- demontis sabonis and miami playing with bam at center that it's gonna really be a whole new matchup between these two teams i think
1: i agree and the the spacing is going to to be a little bit more present though some of the movement in indiana's offense is going to have to be different due to personnel I mean Sabonis Sabonis does make some of those cogs work and that might be part of why uh, Doug McDermott in particular just hasn't looked quite right is that he had such good chemistry with Sabonis but the defensive like sometimes it comes up of like teams that give each other problems and I would say this is more Miami I mean Miami has a lot of guys they can try to throw at TJ Warren and also how the guard rotations work for these two teams. you know I I don't think he's all the way there on offense but we have seen some little bursts from him defensively and so if we can see the Oladipo Brogdon combination it works a magic on that end it could slow down Miami's attack
0: yeah and one of the things that's really worked well for the Pacers is TJ Warren on those wide pin downs out of the corner but if you got Adebayo out there I think they would probably feel comfortable switching Adebayo onto Warren in that situation the Pacers are not a great passing team if you do a lot of switching you can take that away and they've got Butler they've got Iguodala They've got Crowder. They've got a lot of guys. Now, Nate McMillan, would he respond by going at a Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson and making those guys screen for Warren as the ball handler and then see what happens? Well, and what makes me
1: excited is going back... A year and a half ago to when the Pacers played, or was that even longer ago? When the Pacers played Carmelo when he was on the Thunder, and they went at him every single possession for like yeah, five minutes.
0: 17-18.
1: 17-18. And that was that was a, a more ruthless name McMillan. He he can if he sees an advantage, he'll go to it until the other team stops it. And Spo is a wonderful defensive coach. I, I would love to see how those teams match up. And we're we're obviously gonna see it twice, but maybe we'll see it more than that. Let's jump to the stats on Miami. 43 and 27 on the full season season eighth in net rating seventh in offense 11th in defense and then in Orlando the heater two and three 13th in net rating slight positive 13th in offense and 13th in defense
0: yeah and Butler has not played for a couple of games Goran Dragic has had the ankle uh both are likely to play per Ira Winderman in that first matchup against Indiana they've been surviving offensively with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo had that wonderful game in their upset win over the Celtics without Butler, but he admitted that he's still kind of trying to get his rhythm back after he was not in the ball. I don't think we ever totally confirmed that he had COVID-19, but one would deduce that he did. And so he's still trying to get his win back a little bit. Tyler Hero, though, getting to the basket a little bit more. And we noted in the young player bit that his finishing at the rim was not great. Uh, he's actually 10 of 12 uh, at the rim in five games. So taking a couple attempts there, but finishing well. And then he's been scalding from the mid-range uh, at nine out of 14. He was uh, kept them in it early on uh, against the Bucks uh, before Milwaukee pulled away in the second half. And then Duncan Robinson's shot chart is uh, unique, shall we say.
1: Oh, you mean because he has nine shots inside the arc and 36 above the break threes?
0: <laughs> he is six of six at the rim.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder He's how many that. contests
0: there are on those. But
1: uh, yeah, I mean, Robinson, just rid- a ridiculous shooting talent. And one of the big questions in a potential series against the Pacers, or really honestly against anybody, is how does he hold up defensively? This is a this will be a very different cauldron for Duncan Robinson defensively, and I'm fascinated to see how it works out. Something else to note for well, me my- Well,
0: one quick thing. on on that point on Robinson's defense. We've talked about, ah, you know, the Pacers, they have all these guys. They got Brogdon. They got Oladipo. They got T.J. Warren. They got Aaron Holiday. Uh, You know, what is the hierarchy with those guys? Well, Duncan Robinson is going to have to guard one of those guys. And so maybe you don't even have to get screened to get the matchup onto T.J. Warren. Maybe you just run pick and roll uh, with him and Bam Adebayo or you just let Victor Oladipo isolate against him, drive and kick. Uh, um, I think, you know, the defense defensive on off numbers are actually pretty good for Duncan Robinson this year but I mean, you see the way the teams go at him that that is an aberration to me to be sure so that's that's something that Eric Spolstra is gonna have to deal with and and you know years ago in the playoffs he was the one dictating those type of things with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James to find the weakest matchup and now uh, Nate McMillan may throw that tactic back at him you're gonna say more about Robinson though
1: well no actually I was gonna shift to uh, Kendrick Nunn Kendrick Nunn had, oh, yeah. had to leave the bubble for personal reasons he has returned but has the four-day the four day quarantine. And we're going to have to just see where he fits into this playoff rotation, especially if Miami doesn't really need what he brings in the starting lineup. May- maybe Kendrick Nunn gets supplanted by Dragic. There are a couple different ways this could work out.
0: Well, and recall that he was uh, also a late arrival to the bubble likely due to a COVID-19 diagnosis and doesn't seem as if he's going to be able to play in any of their remaining regular season games. He really struggled as well giving way to Dragic very early in quarters at times. This would have been a good chance for him with Dragic out to solidify a spot but do they just start Dragic? Or, I mean it wouldn't and remember they've got Andre Godala, they've got Crowder now, they've got derek jones jr none does to me fill an important role i mean because basically you're only pick and roll ball handlers well i guess i guess what it really would be would probably be hero taking yes. spot as the third ball that's handler. what i think so, it would be yeah so i i he uh it would shock me if he starts the playoffs out of the rotation at, at this rate we'll have to see how that develops man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since that you came from us. I was Where do you want to go next, sir?
1: Let's go to the Dallas Mavericks. We can talk a little bit about Mavs Bucks, one of the other interesting oh, yeah. games of the weekend. Full season stats. The Mavericks are 42 and 30, still number one in offense, number six in net rating, number 17 in defense, and then in the bubble, two and three. 15th in net rating, 9th in offense, 18th in defense. But yeah, let's start this with Luka Doncic against the Milwaukee Bucks in that thriller. 36 points, 19 assists, 14 rebounds, and plus 12 in 42 minutes. 9-10 from the line, 12-24 from the field, and just just some absolute beauties in there.
0: Yeah, and it's clear to me we got asked on the cast today... Why Dallas causes such problems for Milwaukee, and certainly Luka Doncic is outstanding. He's going to be patient. He's not going to drive into eight guys. He's going to set up three point shooters. But it starts even more with Kristaps Porzingis, and he to me really causes problems because he's the guy that you can't leave open. Remember that. Uh, Dallas ended Milwaukee's big winning streak of, I think, 18 games earlier this season without Doncic in Milwaukee as Porzingis went completely crazy in that game with the deep threes. And that really is a great shooting big man like that who can pick and pop it really messes things up for him but dallas also did more damage at the rim than you usually see and i think that's part of porzingis keeping those guys away from the basket they actually were 21 of 30 at the rim which is about as good as you're gonna do against uh, the bucks and Doncic, six of eight at the rim and got the step back three going a little bit you know that's kind of the scouting report i am now is let him get into that step back particularly late in games and so remember all the complaining about dallas in the clutch well since the overtime Time of that game against Sacramento, they've really uh, have been good, and I, I maintained again that it was just pretty much just bad luck for the Dallas Mavericks in the clutch. And Don, just I mean, some of the highlights from that game: the lefty between the legs pocket pass to Kleba for a dunk at the end of the game and it was just
1: well then he had that beautiful one to Porzingis too and there were a few there was one for those one for out for a three that was a lot it's just just he's such a such an amazing use of tempo and pace and knowing where the angles are from Luca and so excited I mean this is age 20 season to see where this goes one other nuance for Dallas before we get to Milwaukee that I think is very significant and also really kind of surprising Rick Carlisle announced ahead of time we already know this that Dallas is going to sit their key players in their game on Monday against the Utah Jazz. And so there's a part of it that makes total sense, which is it's the front end of a back-to-back. Dallas has played a bunch of really long games. They've given like overtimes and everything like that. They've given a lot of work to Luka. Yeah, haven't they
0: had three overtime games?
1: I believe they have. So yeah. that part of it makes sense completely. However, Utah is the team directly ahead of them. And as things look right now, we'll, we'll get to those teams in a bit. It looks like the seven is not where they would want to be because that the most likely opponent there is the Clippers. And the, their path out of that is by beating the Utah Jazz in their game. And so it is a little bit surprising that, that Carlisle's going to do that. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe they think that there's, that, that there's a chance that the, that the Clippers fall to the three seed, which is more likely after that loss. We'll talk about that. But it is, it is intriguing that when, especially when the next game that they play the tail in the back-to-back is against Portland, against former Carlisle assistant Terry Stotts. Like, they're not in any sort of thing with Portland. Portland is a completely unrelated entity. So if from a kind of competitive balance standpoint, it would make more sense. But again, that doesn't always matter. It's like, are the guys tired now?
0: Well the dallas portland game got flexed into national tv on tuesday as well
1: yeah that, th- that could may, be a maybe
0: f- maybe even something like that and you know i i understand if you're in this bubble on a national tv game if you're gonna you're pretty much locked into the seven and you're gonna play the guys in one of the two games why not play them in the national tv game um so seth curry did make his return however yeah for dallas uh, which is good although he was only one of seven against the bucks and he's probable uh, against utah so hopefully that sore right leg i, I never care for those nebulous injury descriptions, but uh <laughs> appear appears as if it will not cost him
1: yeah. And Curry more time. played twenty-one minutes in that game. All of Dallas's other starters played thirty-seven or more. Finney Smith played forty-three. So it, it is understandable that Ricardo wants to give those guys rest sooner rather than later. But let's go to the team that they beat in the thriller on Saturday, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are 55-15 and on the season, first in net rating, sixth in offense, still first to defense. And in the Orlando bubble alone, 2-3, 11th in net rating, 14th in offense, 11th in defense. Though it is worth mentioning, the Bucks are plus 18.6 net rating in Brooke Lopez's minutes and plus 5.1 in Giannis's. So to me, there are some specific little nuances that we could talk about. This is more about them not playing their best players as much because the Bucks have nothing to play for.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think for... Well, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucs have all somewhat disappointed here. I think we, what we can do when we go through, we'll give it one out of 10 rating as far as how concerned we are. And I would put it at about a two for Milwaukee with Eric Bledsoe working his way back in, Pat Connaughton working his way back in. Uh, they had that crazy game against the Nets where their best guys didn't play in the second half. And then they've also had to play Houston and Dallas, which are the two best offenses in the league just about. So uh, that's part of why their defensive numbers don't look quite as good i'm not really that concerned about them any well i'll put it this way i don't feel any differently about them at all than i did when the regular season concluded so i'm i i still think they have the same weaknesses i haven't seen anything from them that has me particularly concerned in fact chris middleton i think has been playing pretty well Giannis looks good physically better than he did when the shutdown happened brooke lopez has been scoring well and you know it's been a lot of guys who aren't going to be in the rotation as much that they've had problems with they've had some shooting luck from the opposition as well and they've played against some really good teams so all that not too concerned about what's going to happen with
1: here's one other huge thing that goes in the bucks favor the teams that they're competing with in the eastern conference like you and i have talked about that it's it's a it's a pretty favorable draw for them right now you know that and it's only gotten more favorable so sabonis being out for the Pacers the injuries that are going on with the Sixers. The Raptors and Celtics don't look like world beaters right now. And and yeah, they could look dramatically different in a conference finals a month, month and a half from now. But one of the ways that the Bucks became more vulnerable, could have become more vulnerable in the East, was another team rising in this hiatus to, to meet them. And I don't think we've seen that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Boston is a pretty good matchup against them offensively on Boston's side, but they can't stop, be honest. And then Toronto is a pretty good matchup with them defensively uh, with guys like Ananobi and Siakam and Marcus Solo, does a nice job helping at the rim, and Ibaka, you know, a lot of the same guys. Granted, it was. Kawhi last season and he's not there anymore but they didn't have an ob last year so i I think they can do a pretty good job in the house but i just i don't think that there's any way that toronto can score well enough uh, against them and and we'll talk about toronto's offensive performance a a little bit later on here so I, i think the bucks are fine i don't think we need to talk about them that much they haven't been trying that hard let's move on
1: how about we move on to the Toronto Raptors? Let's just do it now. Um, the Raptors are 50 and 19 on the full season, fifth in net rating, 18th in offense, second in defense. In the Orlando bubble, they are 4 and 1, 12th in net rating, 21st in offense, and first in defense
0: yeah and that 21st in offense you know they've been t- turning the ball over like crazy including Kyle Lowry he had nine turnovers in the game we did for league pass today against Memphis which we'll talk about in greater detail momentarily and they're also getting to the foul line a ton and they're shooting relatively well from three but the games when they haven't shot well from three it's looked pretty ugly and so I, I think this has been about what I expected from this Toronto team they had a nice start you know they're four and one in the bubble that's maybe better than expected because they had a very hard schedule and they're going to make it difficult for anyone those guards are awesome defensively i mean they are probably the most fun defensive team to watch i would say at a minimum uh more so than the bucks because the bucks kind of just barricade the rim and you know it's just you're banging your head against a brick wall whereas toronto is flying around out there and causing turnovers and still protecting the rim and still closing out on shooters so i i really enjoy watching them defensively let's talk a little bit about the game though uh, against the the grizz uh From Toronto's standpoint, Pascal Siakam finally found it, he had been held to less than his season average of 23 points in every game so far in the bubble and only cracked 20 once he broke out four of nine from three 26 points in all for him in tuning including two really big threes off the dribble late in isolation situations those are the shots that he's probably going to need to be able to hit against a team like milwaukee and you know pretty impressive that the guy who the series against philly changed when they put joel Embiid on siakam and dared him to shoot now siakam is closing out games to hitting three-pointers well and Uh, and that's the the jump shot
1: was not what had been betraying him before this you know Siakam had been less efficient but he's been shooting it pretty well from three
0: yeah absolutely so uh and just some of the plays that Lowry and Van Vliet make off the ball the incredible help that they provide showing up in ridiculous places it it really is just a, a treat to watch these guys play and then on offense yes they don't have that great penetrator but And part of why we we worry about them is, you know, number one, they're very dependent on transition. That's something that you can hopefully take away unless you're turning the ball over in when you're more locked in a playoff situation. Then also, even in the half court, they're very reliant on the opposing team to make mistakes. So what do I mean by that? Like, for example, Kyle Lowry does not want to finish at the rim anymore. If he drives, he's either gonna like try and feel contact and trip himself and fall down and get a call, or he and Van Vliet wanna drive to the rim, get the big man in the air and then kick out for threes and so can you play them force them to make a a shot with a decent contest but not over rotate to them know what they want to do and avoid leaving the wrong shooters avoid letting them get that blender going because once they do get that initial opening where you have to put two on the ball there's such a smart passing team particularly with Gasol up top making decisions ping-ponging passes all around to shooters that that's where things can go awry for you offensively but if you can just avoid making defensive mistakes against them and stay solid they don't have the juice to really beat you one-on-one is the observation that I've had on them in the bubble
1: yeah I fully agree with that another important ramification of the Memphis game is that Toronto clinched the second seed so that means functionally they have nothing to play for in the remainder of the bubble and that could end up having some ripple effects throughout it because they play Milwaukee Philadelphia and Denver Philly and Denver still have plenty to play for in terms of seeding
0: yeah absolutely and Toronto's rotation seems relatively solidified yeah they were kind of trying some things uh, with guys on the perimeter matt thomas came in to hit a couple of threes and gave him like a nice little theory of the offense to have him run off of screens on uh, their second unit and then hilariously taylor jenkins calls a timeout to deal with that and then they just take thomas out of the game so his whole timeout was like pretty much obviated uh terrence davis you know not really playing that much he only had six minutes in this one norm powell serge Ibaka, those are the guys giving them a lot of minutes but it's really a seven man rotation of the guys that Nick Nurse really trusts and another reason you might say why Toronto might be a little bit worse in the playoffs than during the season is we've talked about this for a long time Nick Nurse plays these guys particularly Lowry Lowry and Van Bleet, a ton of minutes and that's an advantage that they have that they're willing to do that in the regular season. But when other teams ramp up their guys, now maybe you could say Lowry and Van Vliet will be in better shape, or you could say Lowry and Van Vliet will be a little more tired. Who knows? But when other teams ramp up their guys, then maybe that goes away when they nurse largely plays a, a seven and a half man rotation. Let's uh let's talk Grizz here. Let's do it. The Memphis Grizzlies
1: are thirty-two and thirty-eight on the full season, twentieth in net rating, twenty second in offense, fifteenth in defense in Orlando only one in five 14th in net rating 18th in offense and fifth in defense
0: they did restore order with a huge blowout win of oklahoma city on i think that was friday and without that they really would be in trouble but they're probably going to need to get another win here uh they had a three and a half game lead over Portland entering the restart. Portland's four and two; they're one and five, so it's pretty close now. Uh, who do they play in their last two games?
1: They play Boston and Milwaukee, both of whom have clinched their seeds. And there is the connection, which Pelton noted, of Taylor Jenkins being a former Bucks assistant. They could give a little bit of a a little hand wave, a little bit of a parting gift to Jenkins by sitting their guys, also clear cover because that's the Bucks' last game of the season and not that they need you know they they have really no reason to to force anything so Memphis it's this weird situation that we got into with the bubble where Memphis has this incredibly high opponent strength of schedule but we didn't know what the context was going to be and so they might benefit from that but Toronto didn't have a ton to play for and they still played hard and still beat Memphis I,
0: I... Well, and also, I think the Bucks reserves could easily beat Memphis, too. Also true. Like this is uh, this is a very, very flawed team at this point it, without Jaron Jackson and without Justice Winslow. I mean, you got to remember they're missing two starters uh, right now. I mean, they're starting Anthony Tolliver. And that's one thing, actually, uh, that Jenkins did that I liked was he had started Clark and Valanchunas t- together in the game against Utah. They didn't have enough spacing. So what they did, even though Tolliver is an inferior player to brandon clark they went with him at the four matched him with Valentinus. then jang is a little bit more of a shooter they matched him on the second unit with clark and i thought that worked pretty well uh, to just give them the spacing that they need even though Tolliver is completely one-dimensional at this point in time um Valanchunas in this game zero points 0 for two one of those was a three-pointer and he missed <laughs> two free throws and the plan for the Raptors was they were just doubling him on the catch every time I think that was sort of a revenge coaching thing against Valanchunas of hey we know that you don't handle team as well but the two times they gave it to him in the post he actually passed out of it and they got really good shots which were extremely hard to come by for Memphis in this game and they just never went back to it it was so weird i was like you're this is the only thing you're doing to actually like create anything good you know they're gonna double team it why not just throw it to him and let them try and create something it was working they had nothing else going on they could get absolutely zero at the basket in this game and they never went back to that morant really struggled uh from the field dylan brooks really struggled from the field he had 25 points but it took him 26 shooting possessions to get there and once their three-point shooting cooled off they were at 42 percent 10 out of 24 in the first half uh Toronto pulled away and it was only a, a bevy of Kyle Lowry turnovers early in the fourth that put the Grizz kind of close but uh, never really got back into contact
1: a couple other quick points from this one Grace Allen continued his hot shooting four of ten from three and Brandon Clark actually his three-point shot looks like it's uh, the release has gotten a little bit faster a little bit cleaner two of four from three in this one and that's a, a really interesting wrinkle potentially for him to keep working on in the offseason that a potential pairing with Jaron Jackson or even with with Valanchunas, it would look a lot better if he I can add that spacing when necessary, even if Clark has been very efficient inside the arc.
0: Well, and a really positive development for the Grizz as well has been Grayson Allen, who again had 20 points in this one. And I think he is a really nice, backcourt mate he can play either with justice winslow or with dylan brooks move brooks to the three uh and allen can come in i mean he's looking like a guy who might deserve you know 25 minutes a game or so even on this team fully healthy so this has been really good for him to get back remember his season appeared to be over with a hip injury back over the winter um last thing on this what the hell is taylor jenkins doing at the end of game trying to drive us insane does that count i mean he is like out boiling jim boylan at this point they fouled down eight with six seconds left in the game and he
1: thankfully didn't burn his final timeout in this one but he's been burning those and maybe it's teachable moments or whatever but ugh. It's definitely, uh, I, I definitely have so sympathy weird. for announcers. And, and, he, and there's nothing to be, to, that in my opinion, to be gained from extending ga- extending games like that.
0: I, I mean, like, why, you, you, the game's over, right? Like, eight-point game in the last, you know, ten-point game, nine-point game in the last 30 seconds. He did this against Utah, too. And it's just, like, they ended up losing by nine. I just really, like, he's trying to get him some late-game reps, I guess, I just really—it's very, very odd. You don't see that from NBA coaches at all. I thought was there like he had some problems. With Quinn Snyder. Those guys were actually on the same staff, I believe, in Atlanta at one point. So I, I really. i mean it's ultimately ancillary and he's done a good job this year overall but i I was just like i was struggling to hold my tongue at the end of that that league pass game and i didn't succeed too much frankly because it was just so weird at at that point so um who do you want to talk about next
1: let's go to the utah jazz um, the Jazz are 43 and 27 over the full season, 10th in net rating, 10th in offense, 9th in defense, and in the bubble, 2 and 4, 18th in net rating, 19th in offense, and 10th in defense. And we talked a little bit about the Dallas part of that Dallas Utah game. It doesn't look like the Jazz are going to be playing their full complement of guys either. I believe I saw that Donovan Mitchell is questionable as of when we record this. And Utah has the clearest incentive of anybody to try. Their goal should just be be wherever Houston is not. You know, it's kind of like the old Willie willy Willie. King Dealer, hit it where they ain't. It's just hit it where Houston ain't. But <laughs> I don't know if they know how to do that because at this point there's still a lot of uncertainty and where all this goes and there it kind of seems to me like part of it is just getting raped physically and part of it is thinking that houston's going to get the uh houston's going to get the four so then the six would be the most advantageous place so we're kind of going to have to see but we part of them going to such a young a young group was that we got to see a, a few different things in that game that we did for league
0: pass yeah that was what that was friday right friday morning
1: yeah, I when mean, we did fra- when we did frantic research for forty minutes, when we realized that none of the jazz players were going to play.
0: Yeah, and I'm I was glad actually. You know, I, I really because we just hadn't seen Ray John Tucker and Jarrell Brantley, for example, at the NBA level. Mie Oni, we saw him a little bit in Summer league. I don't think Brantley even uh, played with them in Summer league. I know Tucker didn't because he had got signed from the Wisconsin Herd. And I thought of those guys. Both Oni and Bradley or, or Brantley are going to get chances. They actually played some minutes in the game. Uh, Oni got ten minutes, Brantley got seven in the game against the Nuggets. Oni was actually plus fifteen in that one. Oni is a three and D style of shooting guard, but has some athleticism off the bounce uh, as well. And you know, not an amazing decision maker at this point, but he didn't look lost out there to me at all against San Antonio. And then Brantley is a very odd player, but one that I think could have a place. He's strong, about six seven, yes. Yeah, 6'7", 255, he's not cut up at all, but surprisingly quick feet. He actually guarded DeMar DeRozan reasonably well. Uh, Rudy Gay he got dunked on really badly one time when he went for a steal and let Gay get to his right hand which I'm sure he learned the lesson on and then offensively he's got a pretty decent handle very smooth looking jump shot he's not you know 40% guy but he had high volume you know mid-30s from the G League certainly someone that I think you'd feel okay with so I they're desperately looking for something at the backup four even a backup three and you know I think he could provide a little bit of something I'm not saying he should supplant George Niang necessarily but they just need somebody coming off the bench with size who can guard anyone on the wing, and you yeah, know Brantley. I, I, I mean, you never want to go crazy over one game, and you know I watched a little bit of his G League film as well to prepare for the game. But I, I think they should give him a shot, and I think he's going to get a shot here in these last couple of games if they're taking it easy. Uh, that double overtime game against the nuggets was absolutely wild
1: oh yeah it was completely nuts and again we we wondered exactly what the incentives were going to be if for for the jazz because if the, if you want to try to get that if you want to try to get the nuggets in the three six the easiest thing to do is just have denver win that game but instead they're going at it full ways yeah,
0: maybe they're worried they're going to fall to the seven as as yeah. you've talked about
1: maybe but also it gave us one hell of a basketball game so i'm pretty thankful i'm pretty thankful there uh, Donovan Mitchell had a completely ridiculous... 35 points and i mean it wasn't the most efficient game 35 points on 36 shooting possessions but he had some real highlights and it, it showcased something that he has become so much more dangerous shooting off of screens
0: yeah you know it's i mean uh, my buddy david Locke, who uh i'm i'm in business with him i love david Locke, but his comp of donovan mitchell to clay thompson and ray allen coming off of screens i thought was uh, a little premature but mitchell has been more of a catch-and-shoot guy i mean he's got that beautiful straight up and down form and he did hit some big shots late in this game to tie and take the lead or keep a minute late in uh, what ended up being double overtime but you know this is a a Mitchell game of 12 out of 33 8 assists you know it's not amazing to me they played guys a lot of minutes what ended up ending things was Rudy Gobert fouling out at the end again I hate that you don't get an extra foul in double overtime and that ended up really sinking them Uh, but we can kind of shift to the Nuggets here and I thought this game was fascinating for a number of reasons as well. Why don't you give us their fundamentals before we get into that?
2: You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity mobile It attributes, making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.
1: Yeah. The Nuggets are 46-24 and 24 on the full season, 11th in net rating, 8th in offense, 16th in defense, and in the bubble. The Nuggets, 3-2, 16th in net rating, 5th in offense, 21st in D.
0: So, yeah, I think one of the most interesting things about this was Jamal Murray returning from that hamstring. Remember that he came back to play in one of their scrimmage games, apparently re-injured it, and this was his first game back. So, you know, of course he was on a 22 minutes limit. You know, they they played it safe with him, right?
1: Not only did Jamal Murray play 39 minutes he it looked to me like he got injured again and Mike Malone just kept him in
0: he took 25 shots He's dead out of twenty five. I mean,
1: he hit a bunch Eight of assists. he hit a bunch of shots late, but I mean, I I always worry when because he was come, came up gingerly after it looked well, like to me, like...
0: especially on a muscle injury, right? Oh. Like that's the kind of thing where if you're fatigued, you're more likely to to injure it again late. I mean, that that was it was very odd, especially when you already brought him back too soon and he already hurt himself again. It was so odd to me. And I mean, they're as good as they have looked with Michael Porter. I mean, it's Will Barton and Gary Harris are still out by the way. Yeah,
1: and they've already um, been ruled out on Sunday they were ruled out for Monday's game which is never a good sign
0: yeah and Barton was another one he played in the scrimmage game with a sore knee and I had to shut it down again it hasn't been seen since as well so uh, I did think the Nuggets massively outplayed the Jazz in this game though the Jazz were 40 percent from three and the Nuggets were 24 percent from three and uh, Nuggets still ended up winning and uh, you know skinny Jokic there are some questions about what he was going to look like could that potentially reduce his ability to power through guys in the lane and oh no him being skinny I mean he doesn't really jump any higher but I think his first step in particular is quicker on those quick spins facing up out of the triple threat position as well and if he just gets a little bit of a shoulder by you that's all he needs he's such so good at playing the angles getting his shoulder into guys great touch with either hand that if he can get that slight initial advantage that he has more from uh, being skinny now and he's still plenty strong he's really able to abuse guys you know I thought uh, goberry he, he hurt him particularly in the overtime he had the oh man what's the name of it again I, i'm going i'm forgetting it the uh the one foot fade away the, off the like the samba shuffle thank you thank you yes that is uh i got it i got to get that one nailed in the lexicon that's such a, such a good <laughs> good name for it um pj dozier to me Denver's going to look a lot better when they get him out of the rotation he is you know we talked about him in the young players portion just a a big guard doesn't really shoot it that well doesn't really defend that well to just get Barton out there another big question though is Michael Porter you know 23 points in this one his shooting was a little bit off just from three It was one out of eight but if you're Mike Bologna you're gonna start him in the playoffs?
1: I would. I, I mean Well,
0: particularly with Barton, you know, probably not gonna be fully healthy, yeah. I think I probably would too.
1: Yeah, and in, in, in the game against Utah, Jeremy Grant, forty seven minutes off the bench and he had 21 points uh 7 to 12 mostly done inside the arc. Um and then the other kind of thing to mention briefly with Denver is their remaining schedule. They play the Lakers, that big game on Wednesday against the Clippers which could decide the 2-3. We don't know exactly where it's going to go from here.
0: And yeah, what what's the differential there between them right now? One game.
1: And they cannot end in a tie because Denver and the Clippers have not played will not play the same number of games. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it could go it could it could legitimately go either way and then he, then uh Denver ends the season against the Toronto Raptors who have already clinched the two seed so we'll see what they do there um let's go let's go to the Houston Rockets the Rockets are 43 and 25 on the full season seventh in net rating third in offense 14th in defense and in the bubble four and one fourth in net rating 14th in offense and seventh in defense and fortunately they are getting some reinforcements hopefully soon
0: yeah Russell Westbrook Eric Gordon both expected to return this week recall that Gordon sprained his ankle in a scrimmage game was looking pretty good but Don't need those guys when you got Austin Rivers.
1: Yeah, Austin Rivers in their game on Sunday against the Sacramento Kings had a career high with 41 points 14 of 20 from the field 6 of 11 from 3 7 of 8 from from the free throw line and never never one to lack in confidence he you know good good to see him good to see him do well and Houston has you know they've just kind of kept moving along they've had guys step up in individual moments Harden you know had 32 points in this game played 33 minutes and they're I think in some ways you know it kind of can help you get sharper to be playing without a couple of guys and I'm impressed that they're four and one despite the absences they've had and we'll see if that bears any fruit later on
0: yeah as long as james harden is looking good as long as he's fresh uh, do you have a preferred matchup if you're houston i mean it's looking like they're steaming full speed towards okc at the moment uh, although OKC I mean I think they're gonna have their own problems winning games um they don't really have a chance at the three seed at this point right
1: if they win out and Denver has some trouble they could actually get there but I mean we don't know exactly what's gonna happen with Denver so so I I mean I think Houston they play they play San Antonio Indy and Philly I think you just kind of play your game don't push too hard for anything and also remember that Houston I think they're looking past the first round a little bit I would rather for them be on the Lakers side of the bracket than the Clippers side of the bracket so maybe you rather you just choose the four five and don't care as much about who you
0: play yeah and houston pretty decent across the board defensively you know that they're seventh in defense that's a good enough level of defense i think to make them dangerous and forcing a lot of turnovers the one thing where of course uh, they've struggled mightily is defensive rebounding they're giving up 30% offensive rebounds but that's not that's not so bad that it's going to kill you if you can do everything else I mean they're never going to be a great rebounding team with this group but it's not 35% offensive rebounds it's 30 and that's that's not enough that in an individual game you're just going to be sunk purely by that so I I think their defense has been pretty encouraging to me I thought they did a pretty decent job on Giannis and the Bucks in that game so and then offensively once Gordon and Westbrook are back in particular I mean I, I expect them to be one of the best playoff offenses i mean that's how they're built they better be or they're they're not going to be a contender the kings vanquished uh they are officially eliminated from playoff contention with portland's win as well they are 29 and 41 21st overall in net rating they sport the 20th ranked offense and for consistency the 20th ranked defense per cleaning the glass in orlando they struggled to one in five second worst net rating in front of only washington 15th on offense and a hold your nose 22nd in defense 121.7 defensive rating oh, in
1: the and this game
0: now they had to play the kings and the maps but
1: yeah I don't even know what time that was for,
0: but um. Uh, that that was for Houston. Okay. But I um, I started it late though. Yeah. Don't worry, Houston fans, you're not getting shorted. We're going to talk about you plenty. You're actually going to be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and talk about I'm going to talk about the Houston-Sacramento game a little bit. The Kings started this one out on a with a 36 to 23 third quarter. Here's where it went after that. 38 20 32 15 and the game was basically over I, I mean yeah
0: first first quarter i think you might have said they started with the third quarter oh, yeah first, first quarter they were up I right?
1: mean I bet, I bet they wish the game was over in the third quarter but um it it <laughs> I mean Sacramento, it it's just kind of been what I expected. I just didn't think they had the talent level to really to really make much noise. And they had a pretty hard schedule and we've seen that really come home to roost for them, you know, losing to losing to Dallas, losing to Houston, and then and then they didn't have enough, you know, cuz they were kind of in the same situation or similar to the Suns where if they had gone perfect or close to it they could have gotten there, but they've been far from it. And something I've I've mentioned this probably too many times, but you and I focus a lot on team building, general manager stuff. Giving a player too rich of an extension early can be really dangerous and damaging, and it's part of why I think players should be more risk-averse and sign extensions. And so Buddy Healed, if the Kings hadn't extended him, he would be hitting restricted free agency now. And think about what has happened since he signed that extension. The Kings realized that they were better without him on the floor, moved into a bench spot in the bubble. He's basically been playing 20 minutes a game and hasn't and particularly impressive in those 20 minutes so instead of him hitting restricted free agency possibly without a constituency the kings are committed to paying him over 20 million dollars a year
0: yeah i mean he would be hard pressed to get the mid-level uh, at this point i mean remember there's he has a ton of carping in the media because he wasn't getting the offer uh, that he wanted back then and you know he's coming off a really good shooting season averaged 20 points a game and uh you know it all went wrong for him when we found out he was a year older than we thought um,
1: I do want to mention a couple other interesting. Oh, ones sure, go for ahead. The Kings. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit of De'Aaron Fox. Uh, twenty six.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Go De'Aaron ahead.
1: Fox, twenty six points, nine of seventeen from the field, and you know I, I continue I continue to like like his game and nine nine assists in this one as well. But the Kings just don't have enough to keep other teams honest and playing a very small starting lineup of Fox. Corey Joseph and Bogdanovich with Harrison Barnes of the four and very brief little cameos from Alex Len at the five
0: yeah and the other thing that's a disappointment is with Bagley not playing there hasn't really been anyone that you know has developed like young guys who've stepped up I mean, not even along the lines of like a Jarrell Brantley type of guy for this Kings team where he looks I mean they just don't have really anyone like that on their roster uh, at this point who's going to come in and actually show uh, that they might be worthy of being in the Kings plans going forward, let's move to Oh, I know you're ready for it, Danny. The Washington Wizards.
1: <sighs> They're 24-46 and 46 overall for the season, 25th in net rating, 16th in offense, and a robust 30th in defense. They are the only winless team in the bubble, 0-6, 11-4, negative or negative 11.4 net rating is dead last, 20th in offense, 17th in defense. But to me, the most interesting thing about Washington in the bubble has been Trey Brown Jr., partially due to I- injuries and absences, they've just had to put more on his plate, including a stretch, where which got our first. Fred. cats going where he was really the only playmaker on the floor for the wizards and so brown is averaging 16 points five assists and 7.3 rebounds in about 33 minutes in the bubble and they've been outscored by his negative 10.2 net rating you might say that's real bad it's actually one of the better ones on the team for the guys playing real minutes for them.
0: Yeah, Troy Brown uh, proving a much worthier Casas belly for Fred Katz than Josh Hustis was.
1: Yeah, and, and Brown, fifty-two percent true shooting on about twenty-one usage in the bubble. Thomas Bryant has the uh, the best net rating of their uh, true rotation players at negative five point eight. And Brown, I, I mentioned that because I was doing net ratings. A Brown, thirty-two percent on 4.3, 4.2 threes per game. Pretty fine with that. And you know, like I, I wonder where this is going with Troy Brown though like to me when i've watched him play he looks more like a secondary creator which is fine you know he's not play card size or anything so you can make that work and you still want to have Competent point guard play, but the good thing for the Wizards is they should be able to have that because John Wall's coming back. They have Ish Smith signed for next year. They could theoretically, if they really wanted to, bring back Shabazz Napier. So as a complimentary ball handler, I'm largely okay with it as long as Brown makes enough threes to keep opponents honest.
0: Yeah, and it seems like a third guard role because he really is a guard. He's not really small forward size. He's the best they've got on the wing, unless you want to say that uh Bonga is your guy. But I think he's too limited offensively still to be in the starting lineup. But I think. If if he's there next year if you do start him you take him out pretty early then when Wall or Beal goes out of the game you bring him back in to give you that secondary ball handling I think that's a better rule for him because he's just going to do a lot of standing around off the ball with Wall and Beal in the game and I don't know that that's the best use of his talents hey Jerome Robinson's hitting some shots he is
1: a uh, 14 of 37 which is 30 percent on threes so far in the bubble and another guy who's taking threes is Thomas Bryant he's taking five of them per game and he was actually doing really well in uh in the warp projections after four games i do not know if that continued
0: yeah kevin pelton's uh warp projections yeah bryant uh you know really did more of his damage around the rim but it has extended out uh, and eight jump shots per game overall it is a lot for him but he, he was uh has scored quite well defense hey i mean the whiz 17th on defense out of 22 teams i mean what a win that is for them in the bubble they're
1: easing on down the road
0: let's turn to i mean if it weren't for the suns probably the biggest surprise team in the bubble at least in terms of record that is the brooklyn nets four and two the nets are four and two without spencer dinwiddie kevin durant Kyrie irving deandre jordan wilson chandler torian prince i can't even remember everyone that they're missing
1: michael beasley um yeah and not only that Jamal Crawford has only played six minutes not only that but remember that the first game they played in the bubble was the first game of the of the seeding games in the bubble when they got their asses handed to them by the Orlando Magic and since then they've basically been a house of fire they beat the Wizards the Bucks in that weird game the Kings and the Clippers the Clippers game on Sunday and they only lost to the Celtics and yeah I mean it's been it's been a nice little run for them I'll go through their overall stats though before we get before we get too crazy on it um 26 and 33 on the season 16th in net rating 23rd in offense 12th in defense in the bubble 4-2 17th in net rating which is also pretty amazing 17th of 22 but 4-2 in net rating 8th in offense 19th in defense and by virtue of their win over the Clippers on Sunday they have clinched the 7th seed and thus we know that they will play the Toronto Raptors in the first round congratulations
0: yeah, who would have thought that that, that would be the case? And uh, the magic of their injuries, uh, we'll talk about them. But they've done it on the back of some awesome three-point shooting, including their game against uh, the Clips uh, today, where they withstood 39 points from Kawhi Leonard. And Clips were largely trying. Paul George sat out, and they've got some other injuries. But you know certainly Kawhi Leonard was out there giving it his all, and that's usually enough uh, against a team. But yeah, I mean, their three-point shooting, where they hit over 23s against the Bucks. Granted, the Bucks didn't play anybody in the second half of that game but you still wouldn't have thought that they could have beaten the bucks when you look at their personnel coming in i mean that first game against the magic which we did for league pass like you thought these guys are never going to be able to score like and i think they deserve a lot of credit, Jacques Vaughn, for putting these guys in a little bit different position to succeed. Remember, the Magic trapped Karis Lavert at the point of attack after he had a really nice first quarter and were able to take the ball out of his hands and neutralize him. And so they've responded by getting Lavert more ISOs. They've responded by getting Lavert the ball at the elbow in triple threat position, using some of his size, getting some post ups uh, as well. And uh, Zach Lowe had this that he is uh, averaging almost 1.2 points per possessions on isolations and drawn fouls on 17% of those plays in the bubble so that's a really good numbers for Levert who you know is he gonna be a primary scorer for a team I don't know we'll see I mean they have really good spacing around him at least uh, to help out and he's been getting to the rim and finishing his floater game has been really good he's 50 percent from floater range hasn't really had the touch from three-point range but he's had some really hot quarters i think he had 17 and a quarter 27 for the game against the, the clippers tonight so he's been really good to Lualo caro uh, shooting it well overall on the season that was always the big bubble boo for him but he's been in the in the high 30s he has an 8.2 net rating in the bubble uh, best uh, among the nets uh, coming off the bench he's been really solid so they've had some Guys who look like they might contribute. I and mean, TLC, he may be able to play a role with this group next year.
1: He might. And we also in the in the Clippers game, it was a more balanced scoring rotation. Joe Harris, twenty five points in twenty seven minutes. Garrett Temple, nineteen and thirty seven. Jared Allen had sixteen, and Tyler Johnson, thirty minutes, twenty one points, six of one from the field, five and nine from three. I don't think the three ball is going to fall exactly like that. But yeah, it's been very encouraging for the Nets. And the, yeah. the, uh, quickly
0: on Johnson, sure. you know, I thought he looked pretty spry and I always suspected when, when we did that game against the Magic, and I always suspected that he must have been dealing with some sort of physical issue to have as severe of a drop off as he's had the last year and a half. And he looks pretty fresh, and yeah, he's not someone who's going to take a lot of jumpers for you off the pick and roll. But you know, he's he was a good third guard in his time, and he looked like he could be getting back to that player. You know, a couple of hot games, so let's not go crazy. But I mean, that's more hot games than he had basically the entire last year and a half.
1: Yeah. Uh Anything else on the on the Nets, or do you want to move on?
0: Yeah. Why don't we? I was talk about let's let's talk
1: about the team that beat them on opening on opening morning and then basically hasn't won anything since the orlando magic
0: yeah well i mean they've been rocked by injuries. Evan Fournier was out today with an illness. Of course, uh, Jonathan Isaac tore an ACL and actually it was reported that he also tore his meniscus and had surgery to repair that. So a little bit more complex of an injury for him there. It could potentially impact his timeline if he were in theory to come back next year. And so they're finishing this game against Boston where they actually put in Yeoman's work uh, to get it to a close game down the end. And in fact, got into overtime. Uh, DJ Augustin, Markel Fultz, Terrence Ross at the three Gary Clark who I mean hilariously we thought this is this team that again has so many fours they don't know what to do with them all and now Gary Clark is playing the four for them and of course uh, Vucevic and they didn't have enough juice offensively in the end Jason Tatum hit at five points right at the end of the game hitting a there are actually a couple of poetic moments at the end of this game at least for Celtics fans less so for uh, well unless you're talking about a tragedy for uh, Markel Fultz fans but first Jason Tatum posts up Fultz uh, and hits a turnaround jumper over remember of course those guys got traded for each other and then at the end of ot the magic are trying to get a three pointer they need a three they inbound in the backcourt defaults he drills up the magic just completely lay off of him. He doesn't want to take it. He has to give it to Vucevic, who misses this impossible leaner as they lose. So, uh, though it was not the uh, most beautiful of endings for Fultz, although he did have a, a decent enough game overall.
1: Yeah, Fultz had 16 points, seven of 18 from the field, 10 assists, six rebounds, uh, and, and was was about even in his minutes when or against you know the backup for mostly backup versus backup. But then he came in for, for some of the close. And yeah, it's I mean for Orlando they have really been ravaged by injury and it is it seemed like there was this structural advantage going in now they're going to face the bucks and i mean i think we i think we know where this is going and my my bigger concern with them is just i don't know like where where it goes from here not this season but moving forward like, I, I
0: I actually think this could in the end be a good thing for them.
1: I mean, yeah, but now you really wish that they had retooled and, you know, not done the Vooch and Terrence Ross contracts two years last year, you know, going coming from the from the surprise playoff. Yeah,
0: well here's the thing though, like if Mo Bamba were ready to step in and then you know it might have been different but i I mean vooch we'll see like he i don't know if he's untradeable in that contract i don't think he's untradeable but
1: it's 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 a lot of money tied up in guys that aren't necessarily a part of where this team is going but again they're going to be in a if they're assuming they want to keep isaac i mean they're going to be in a holding pattern for next year at least to some extent because without him they won't be the same team
0: well and i mean let's remember this though i mean this is to me i don't know if it's a disaster that they're eight and i'll explain why in a second but you know, I think if they, I mean, obviously the Isaac injury and like, you know, who know Aaron Gordon has this hamstring, who knows if he's going to be healthy uh, forney I assume will be back. That's just a non COVID illness. So it was the designation there for him. And Foltz is starting to look good again. Remember he, he had a, an absence at the start of camp. We never heard whether he had a COVID-19 diagnosis himself or not, but uh, it, it was deemed a personal absence for him, but he looks at least to be back to where he needs to be to contribute. But, you know, we th- I thought that at full strength, they could at least force some rock fights with the Raptors. And maybe if they got into a close game at the end, they could win a game or two in that series. I think they are drawing dead completely against the Bucks. Although, I mean, their offense has been pretty good. And they do have Vucevic who can get hot from outside. So maybe, maybe there's something there. I really, really don't think so. They have absolutely nobody to guard Giannis whatsoever. Uh, so I, I think they're going to get schooled in that scenario. The
1: NBA TV series
0: yes and a series that i can tell you right now we are with four games a day for the entire first round we're only doing those games on darton if if it's close um but I, the reason I think it could be a good thing for them is like, oh hey, you know, we're making progress. We won two games this year against the Raptors instead of one, and you know, I think it'll be kind of similar to what happened to Detroit last year, where they're just going to have to look in the mirror and be like, look, we're not even remotely close here. You know, last year was a good story. They could have maybe talked themselves into like the idea that quote unquote progress was being made, but now there's, I think there's no chance of that, and particularly with Isaac on the shelf. I mean, that's just such a bummer for them as well. He was their biggest upside player. Now we're not even going to see him until after his restricted free agency is over you know he'll probably sign like a Dejounte murray-esque extension you would think and i'm uh really kind of bummed out for this team because i I do think they have some players that i like and they're interesting it's just they're really stuck in quicksand let's uh move on here to the team
1: they played on sunday boston celtics celtics are 47 and 23 on the full season second in net rating fourth in offense fourth in defense and in the bubble four and two, number one in net rating, plus 9.9, third in offense, sixth in defense.
0: Yeah, and a couple of things to note here. At the end of this game, first, they're down five with 40 seconds left. They run a play out of the timeout to get the two for one for Jalen Brown. He misses the three. Kemba Walker, of all people, tips the rebound out. Jason Tatum, with a difficult side step three, hits it to draw within three, and then they go no timeout after they get the stop. And Tatum brings it up, gives it to Kemba Walker and Kemba Walker, who, you know, was signed to a max contract. In theory, maybe this star. He says no. no, I'm giving it to Jason Tatum. They get him to Marco Fultz against the post, and Tatum uh, ties the game. And I I thought that was just very interesting. You know, not a lot of guys in Kemba Walker's position, I think, would have that humility for a young star. It seems like Boston has established that Tatum is going to be their go-to guy, and he's started to get it together now after a rough start. Also outstanding was Gordon Hayward in this one. It is kind of funny how even when he really gets going in the first half, and he's been incredibly efficient this year, he'll kind of just get lost in the shuffle with these other guys but uh he to me looks a little bit more athletic he even had one of his signature chase down blocks that he used to have from back in utah uh, against dj augustine had a couple of dunks in this game he's not still quite as much pop but Looks better to me as well. Looks better defensively to me as well, where he'd been a little bit of a liability. So that was good to see. Um, their rotation, though, looks as unsettled as ever behind those top six guys or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, Grant Williams got a DNP CD in the Orlando game. Robert Williams, is. it looks like the uh, he's getting backup center opportunity. He played 15 in this one compared to Ennis Cantor's eight. And yeah, I mean, other than Marcus Smart, who didn't close this one, it's, it's not completely clear game in, game out where, where this is going not only necessarily right now but really when it when this when the stress comes in the first round of the
0: playoffs. Yeah, so they didn't go with that five small unit that got crushed at the end of the first half with uh, by Bam Adebayo in the Miami game at the end of this one and then Kemba Walker was on a th- 32 minute limit. So he sat in the overtime. They did bring in smart at that time yeah. and they were able to to come away with the win. But I do think, you know, Rob Williams, he brings some things, but like I mean him guarding Joel Embiid, you know, would it be who, who's gonna fall out quicker between like him and Jakob pertle <laughs> guarding guarding Joel Embiid? I mean it's gonna be Joel's gonna make pretty quick work of him. Maybe he can look better when Embiid is out of the game. Brad Stevens have to manage his rotations carefully in that series. You would think if he does want to play williams but it does seem like robert williams is always just two defensive mistakes away from a seat on the pine yeah
1: that's definitely true
0: want to remind you again uh, about our patreon we are really ramping up that at patreon.com slash duncan the one thing we're doing now is called the daily dunks which is basically just the best stuff that we are reading every day ben is helping us put that together that's something you get as a patreon subscriber for us and You can read exactly what we're reading, essentially, to keep up on things. Get the same thing. We're trying to make things a little bit more of a one-stop shop. We're going to be upgrading the salary sheets very soon uh, as well to make that a little bit less of a snapshot and more something that you can go back and look at uh, as a constant resource. So stay tuned uh, on patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue as we get into the playoffs and the offseason here. And, of course, don't forget us on NBA League Pass I'll say it again in case you're skipping around to your team. Tuesday. 6.30 Eastern, Memphis, Boston, and then Wednesday, 8 Eastern, OKC, Miami. We just got the LA teams left, right?
1: We do. Let's start with the Lakers. They have already clinched the number one seed, and their overall stats, 51-18, and 4th in net rating, 11th in offense, 3rd in defense, and in Orlando, 2-4, kind of similar situation to the Bucks, 19th in net rating, 22nd in offense, and 2nd in defense.
0: Yeah, and that's even with T.J. Warren going off on them for 39 points, and it was very interesting, you know, Warren plays the four for Indiana, and Indiana has a number of perimeter threats, and so they actually put A.D. on T.J. Warren, and that wasn't really a great matchup for A.D. because Warren, as we talked about, comes off a lot of screens, and By the end, Warren was hitting some ridiculous shots one-on-one against AD. I think he can do okay against him, but off the ball tracking shooters, I mean, that's just not AD's instincts. He's not going to be able to get through a screen on the ball. And, you know, maybe that was some experimentation by Vogel. With some small teams coming up, Warren has been a unique matchup as potentially the bubble MVP, crazy as it is to say that. But I did think that AD really struggled in that role, Uh, although he is going to be a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year, we found out. Uh, And he still is a great defender, but, you know, you wonder whether, because, you know, he might be a good matchup against Kawhi, for example, and his size, maybe even against Giannis if they get that far. Is that the best use of his talent or is he better as a help defender and perhaps better at center and it does seem like that's one of the big things the lakers have been struggling with as well those big units javel mcgee hasn't been getting any dunks uh you know dwight howard has missed some time those center units with the lakers haven't worked out as well and simultaneously they're struggling terribly offensively particularly shooting from the outside
1: yeah uh i mean so lebron 30 44 in five games in the restricted area 68 percent.
0: yeah that's actually slightly low for it's Slightly low for
1: him, but not ridiculous and it's a five game sample, not that but
0: yeah but i mean you know there's a lot of lot of traffic around the room these days but if you, if if you take offense.
1: out just the restricted area lebron 12 for 49 from the rest of the four that's 24 percent and an effective field goal percentage of just 33 percent ad 77 percent in the restricted area but only 26 shots in six games there and 14 for 61 23 percent from the field outside of the restricted area
0: well an ad shooting twice as many shots outside the restricted area as in the restricted area like that's not what makes him great and so they really and the Lakers have struggled so incredibly badly. I mean, they had a five out of thirty-seven game from three in this stretch. They shot it a little bit better uh, over the weekend against the Pacers, uh, but still uh, weren't able to get much space uh, against them. AD also, I mean, he's had just two total clunkers, and that's something that I hadn't noticed that this year. But David Locke pointed this out when he was on the Pel's that you know his averages are awesome. But he is one of the more inconsistent superstars. And the theory of that always was, yeah, he's one of the more, you know, the fact that he gets his usage rate up as high as he does with this kind of a game is really impressive. But he needs someone to set him up in pick and roll. He's probably one of the best roll men in history. But if you try to take him away, you it's tough to just get him the ball. And in fact, he's been double teamed relentlessly, both in that Pacers game and in the Toronto game, and has had you know single digit field goal attempts in both of those games. And so again, a lot of this comes down to the fact that the Lakers are not making shots. If they start making shots, a lot of this will open up, but they're not a good three-point shooting team. And Slater pointed this out in the great analysis he's been doing on The Athletic of just, if the Lakers win at, with this poor of a three-point shooting group, which is you know right around, I think they're below 20 it now in terms of three-point percentage that would be an aberration over the last 10 years like teams really need to shoot it well from three to win championships these days
1: one last point on the lakers there will be a massive dichotomy in their first round series in terms of the wear and tear on those teams and it'll be a good rest versus rest. so the lakers play monday and thursday so that means their playoff series we don't know exactly which dates to start but they'll probably push that one back because the team that they're yeah. facing will be in the playing games
0: probably starts monday i would guess yeah, it might
1: even be tuesday We'll have to see, and um, but so they're going to have played basically one game in the last week, and that's against Sacramento. Whereas the other team will have basically played probably five, maybe six in the in the last um, probably week plus before then. So that's going to be a, a a really big difference. The Lakers, you know, they're not going to be like underdogs or anything in that serious, but it, it, it'll be worth watching. But let's go to the Clippers. The LA Clippers are forty-seven and twenty-three on the full season, third in net rating. Oh wait, hold
0: on. Can I do one more thing on of the course. Lakers? We we asked about this to the Bucks, like what you're concerned level is about that what about for the lakers six agreed yeah and i mean they just they got to make some jump shots or they're gonna be in trouble here and the on-ball guys the off-ball guys everybody um all right sorry i interrupted you on the clippers
1: yeah okay so the clippers 47 and 23 Third in net rating, second in offense, fifth in defense, and in the bubble, three and three, second in net rating, second in offense, and
0: 12th in defense. Yeah, and recall they had that massive blowout of the Pels. That's a, a big backstop of that net rating, but they've had a number of games where they haven't had Leonard and George together. If you had to ask me, you know, at three and three, what my level of concern is on them, I mean, just a little bit because, you know, you're always wondering about the lack of continuity. They still don't have Harrell. There's no word for Patrick Beverly on that severity of that calf issue but i mean probably 35 40 percent of their rotation minutes right now are going to guys who just probably aren't going to be in the rotation and when they really came to play against Dallas, uh, whom they blew out as well, uh, they looked really good. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I would say I'm at like a two, three.
1: I, I'm at, I'm at a three for them. for them. I thought about going a little higher just because of the the maintained absences, like Matras, Matras, Harold, still not, still not being a part yeah. of this. That's concerning. But I moved it down to a three because the Lakers are a six. So, you know, you're more concerned about the Lakers. That makes you a little bit less concerned about the Clippers. And because...
0: Yeah, Uh, although the Clippers will face a more difficult first-round series, I believe, than the Lakers will.
1: Yeah, and... I I've been wondering for a while now why once it looked like Dallas is basically set for the seven why the Clippers weren't trying to be more aggressive going down to the three and I think Doc Rivers is kind of playing his own game you know trying to get his guys right and they've had such a weird stretch in the bubble with absences and guys leaving the bubble that I kind of get that but now if they lose to Denver and then OKC is presumably gonna be trying in their last game they might be able to get to the three and I think the three is a better place Probably. We don't know everything right now. The Clippers don't really need to worry about anybody, but I think they'd rather be the three than the two.
0: Yeah, it's really going to be some crazy machinations down the end here as you see some of these preferences where you know six looks like the place to be but all of a sudden that could turn into a bear trap if the Clippers fall there and you know I'm uh I would like to see Dallas get a chance against Denver I mean what a gift that would be for them I might favor Dallas in that series a 2-7 series I probably would particularly with some of the injury issues that Denver has had so yeah that Clippers Denver game is gonna end up being very interesting and one of the things that I think Tucker's has missed out on though is particularly with marcus morris just having joined the team reggie jackson just having joined the team before the hiatus lou williams then being in quarantine no harrell it's patrick beverly's injury just to figure out what he's planning on doing from a rotation standpoint at the start of the playoffs i mean he i think he's gonna have no idea and i think he's gonna he may have to kind of spend some time farting around to with guys who probably aren't going to be the right answer. He doesn't know the right answer yet. And so there may be some costs with guys playing and just looking really bad early in playoff series and then he has to get on the rotation but maybe that ends up costing them a game but you know i don't think they're in much danger here and also worth noting that the on off stats for Kawhi have been ridiculous you know basically just about the best of any player in the bubble he looks awesome to me physically mm-hmm. uh, particularly at the end of that phoenix game he was just bouncing around the floor on both ends and so as long as he looks good as long as paul george looks good and he looks really good to me physically too that's your your biggest concern yeah i agree anything else that people should be concerned with here before we go tonight? i
1: wouldn't necessarily say, be concerned with but I, I recorded with rob mahoney over the i think it was on friday released it over the weekend really great conversation about our takeaways from the bubble kind of team building player agency and so you could check that out on real gm and there'll be another one you know in the next couple of days so you can keep an eye out for that
0: all right and join us uh, on league pass on tuesday 6 30 eastern boston memphis and thanks to all of you who have given us those great questions and comments using the hashtag NBAcast. cast i still them. Putting together all of those comments to send to the NBA. Uh, they, we've gotten some really positive feedback, in part because we've gotten really positive feedback from you to send to the NBA. So thanks again for all your help there. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow night. till then.
2: You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.